The show you love with even more local news and more local reaction. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome to this beautiful Tuesday afternoon in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation as we get rolling on the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Quite a bit to talk about uh, today, and it's going to be a mix of national and, and local, international. Just so many things I, I feel we need to discuss, and we have two hours to do it. Plus, uh, coming up at uh, 4 o'clock in our second hour today, former Congressman Richard Pombo will be joining us. We'll be talk, talking about his reflections on what Congress was like at the time he served. That was around 1993 to 2006, and as a businessman, his uh, his take on where we are today in California. So that's coming up. Second hour, uh, we want to talk about what's going on with uh, our president at the moment, and uh, also an interesting survey that was recently published regarding whether folks think they're better off today than they were a year ago before the Biden administration came into office. Very interesting results, so we'll talk about them. Before we get there, I just got this uh, notice. Uh, you know, the the border is a mess. It's a mess. Uh, no matter how you look at it, no matter what side of the fence you're on politically, the border at the moment is a mess. Chief Patrol Agent uh, Jason Owens reports another four-year-old girl, and that's the same age as uh, a four-year-old girl that recently uh, drowned, I believe. Another four-year-old girl was found on the riverbank after a smuggler carried her across and left her there with no parents to be found. Child is now safe thanks to our agents. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. It's a mess. And we'll... A little later this week, we'll we'll dissect that a little bit. We'll unpack it for you a, a tad and and talk about what how the border policy and and you have to connect some dots here, but how the border policy is tied to uh, the administration's policy on COVID nineteen, and we'll see how that rolls out and a major major fiasco that is uh, pending, depending. <laughs> on what the administration does with COVID-19 uh, policies coming up. All right, let's get, uh, first of all, <clears throat> today, for uh, top of the order here, I am uh, curious about your opinion on a, a speech, a snippet of a speech that Joe Biden just made uh, a day ago, talking to some of the largest food, manufacturing, energy companies in America. Uh, He was talking to these business leaders about the issues involved in the Russian-Ukraine invasion and such. And he made this curious remark. And again, this was a speech to the Business Roundtable, and this was held uh, yesterday Monday in, in Washington, D.C. Listen, listen very carefully to what the president says. You know, we are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy. 
not just the world economy in the world it occurs every three or four generations as one of them as the uh, one of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day 60 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946 and uh, since then we established a liberal world order and that hadn't happened in a long while a lot of people died but nowhere near the chaos and now is a time when things are shifting we're going to there's going to be a new world order out there and we've got to lead it and we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it huh now is a time when things are shifting and there's going to be a new world order out there and we've got to lead it We've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. I question to you, what does President Biden, first of all, it's it's a cryptic message. I think he might have been off script. I As I was watching the video of it very, uh, very quickly, I'm not, I'm not sure that this was in his script. I think this is, this is one of the times when maybe he was ad-libbing or maybe just working from an outline. Now is the time when things are shifting and there's going to be a new world order out there and we've got to lead it. We've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. What's he talking about, do you think? I'll give you my opinion in a moment, but first of all, a couple of things. He he talks about uh, we're at an inflection point. What does he mean by that? Well, an inflection point is like a, a turning point. Uh, we might say we're at a fork in the road, or we're at uh, my, one of my favorite terms is we're at a tipping point. So we're at a at a turning point, a tipping point, a, a fork in the road. We're at an inflection point, he says, in the world economy. Not just the world economy, the world that occurs every three or four generations. And then he talked about uh, an advisor telling him in a a security conference, I'm assuming that was a general, not sure. He says 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946. And since then, we've established a liberal world order, and it hasn't happened in a long while. What is he talking about in terms of 60 million deaths between 1900 and 1946? What does that refer to? Big question is, and I know we can we can go down several rabbit trails on this, but that's why I'm throwing out the question because we need to think through this and reason together and maybe arrive at what he's really talking about. When he says a new world order, what do you think he's talking about? Our phone number here, 209-551-3483. The president saying, now's the time when things are shifting. There's going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead it. We've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. What do you think he's talking about, President Biden? 209-551-3483. So he talks about the, the let me play the let me play the clip again. I'm doing it. You know, we are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy. Not just the world economy, in the world. It occurs every three or four generations. 
as one of as the uh, one of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, 60, 60 million people died between nineteen hundred and nineteen forty six. All right, what what do you think he's talking about there? What do you think he's talking about there? World War II alone is estimated to have had more than 60 million casualties resulting in death. And at that time, that was about 2.5% of the overall world population. And then part of that was the Nazi-sponsored attempt to exterminate the Jews, the genocide of the Jewish people, resulting in more than, what, about 6 million deaths. What is he talking about 46 years from 1900 to 1946, 6 million deaths? Uh, Let's go on. And uh, since then, we established a liberal world order and since then, we've established a liberal world order. Does he mean liberal politically? Uh, United States of America established that? What does he mean by we? Who's we? And uh, let's go on. My goodness. That hadn't happened in a long while. A lot of- it hasn't happened in a long while. I'm not sure it's happening now but go ahead mr president people dying but nowhere near the chaos and now is a time when things are shifting we're gonna there's gonna be a new world order out there and we've got to lead it and we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it what is he talking about any any sense of what he's talking about 209-551-3483 is our number. What do you think he's referring to? 209-551-3483. As I mentioned, a lot of different rabbit trails we can go down here. Now, if you, uh, again, as you know, I, I do my best to do my due diligence during the day. I've been checking various news sources And uh, the mainstream news sources seem to jump right on this. And instead of discussing what he might actually mean, they immediately do a knee-jerk reaction and talk about conspiracy theories. Here come the conspiracy theories. Uh, Everything uh, from uh, the revelation-based Mark of the Beast Antichrist type New World Order to uh, to other conspiracy theories, and so they they immediately start to attack other people's opinions that they're anticipating instead of spending some time and asking the question. I'm asked, what does he really mean? What does he really mean? Is he talking specifically about Russia invading Ukraine? And the United States of America helping deal with that? I don't think so. It doesn't, it doesn't fit his policy. It doesn't fit what he's saying. Now, he started to talk about the world economy. He says, uh, we're at a turning point, an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy, not just the world economy. All right, so now he's qualifying it. He says, we're at a turning point. Right, a tipping point, 
a fork in the road in the world economy. But then he says, not just the world economy. All right, Mr. President, what do you mean if it's not just the world economy? What what else are you what other turning point are you talking about? And then he says the world that occurs every 3 or 4 generations. I'm I'm at a loss for what the man is talking about. And then he talks about one of his security advisors telling him that 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946. Well, 60 million people are estimated to have died during World War II. That was just a fraction, a fraction of that 46-year period. And then he said, since then, we've established a liberal world order. What does that mean? And he says it hasn't happened in a long while. A liberal world order. I'm trying to figure this out, and would you like to help me with that? 209 551-3483, our number 209-551-3483, as the Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. father, preacher, friend. It's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show, weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. By the way, I'm sure you know this Modesto real estate market is hot. Selling your home now may be the right move to maximize your equity. And maybe you're worried about leaving money on the table with rapidly changing home prices. Look, call the agent I trust and recommend. Call Dan Phipps. Now, Dan's proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or he'll sell it for free. Amazing offer. His home selling program is designed to maximize your sales price. You are in complete control. No required costly repairs, no long-term contracts, and you pick your move date. In fact, Dan can even help you find a new home before you move. Well, Dan helped Rosalie in Modesto sell her vintage home without costly updates and set a new neighborhood high sale record in the process. So call Dan Phipps. Dan is the man I recommend, and I would hire him to sell my home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-840-6378. Or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three P's, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S dot com. Well, again, welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We were talking about the president's cryptic (laughs) message uh, yesterday uh, while he was discussing the war in Ukraine and the impact that it's having on American uh, business and consumerism at the business roundtable. A lot of heavy hitters there at that meeting, and meeting held at the White House. And it, it was a really a cryptic message as, as we reviewed it. I, I, as I was talking with you about that, I was thinking in my mind, 
Remember the movie National Treasure with Nicolas Cage? <laughs> there were, weren't there three of them? I think uh, at least two. I think there were three. Anyway, uh, I just, uh, it, it reminded me of that, that uh, we, we have these cryptic messages sometimes from President Biden, and it's, I, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to think through this. Is he just wandering? Is he mixing up different themes? Or is he on target with a message, but he's being cryptic about it? I don't know. Sometimes uh, there, there are times when I think he's just wandering, he's off script, and uh, I take that with a grain of salt. This new world order thing, though, whether it has to do with the economy, whether it has to do with uh, one world government uh, and, and America leading in this, America's not in good shape to lead anything right now. And in the Ukraine-Russian crisis here, we're not engaging with boots on the ground either. Uh, we're, uh, we're supplying uh, ground uh, weaponry and, and such and, and money, but, but it, not to the point where we would say we're a leader. So I, I can't really think he's applying, uh, applying his comments to that. And then he talks about the 60 million deaths from 1900 to 1946. What kind of deaths is he talking about? Is he talking about starvation? Is he talking about uh, natural deaths? Is it can't be natural deaths more than that. Is he talking about the deaths from World War II? Well, that was a few years there at the end of his time frame. Certainly didn't start in 1900. I uh, I'm I'm befuddled by this, and I I interested. I'd be interested to know what the people in the room thought when he was talking about. And this is, again, I bring this up to you because we need to think through November 2022 and what it means. And to me at this point, this is not about partisanship. It's not about Republicans and Democrats. It's about, to me, the survival of the country. How can we survive three more years of cryptic statements like this in front of national business, the, the big heavy hitters of national business. I'm, uh, I'm worried about the next three years. And it, it would appear that some other folks uh, may be wor- worried as well. In fact, there was a, a survey done uh, just, uh, just recently by uh, the Technometric Market Intelligence and Issues and Insights folks. And they were asking, are you better off today under President Joe Biden than you were a year earlier? That's a good question for, how would you answer that? Are you better off today under President Joe Biden than you were a year earlier? Well, overall... And this is very interesting. Uh, let's see. Let me look at this with my my good eye here. Uh, 30, 36% of the folks said they're, uh, they're better off today, really. Uh, 42% said they're worse off today than they were a year ago. 
And 20% said that, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. 36% said they're about the same today as they were a year ago. 36% about the same. 42% said they're worse off today. And then 20% said they're better off today than a year ago. I'd, I'd like to know who those folks are. Are they in California? Uh, I don't know. But it's, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, for uh, uh, Democrats that were surveyed, 42% said they're about the same as a year ago. 26% of Democrats said they're worse off today than they were a year ago. And 29%, almost a third, said they're better off today than they were a year ago. Are you better off today financially than a year ago before President Biden took office? What do you think? Area code 209-551-3483. We'll talk more about that in five minutes on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. Beyond. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation as we take a look at the subjects, the topics of the day that affect you and me right here in the Central Valley of California here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We've been talking about a a poll just uh, released not too long ago asking, generally speaking, Is your family better off today than it was a year ago, worse off than it was a year ago, or about the same as a year ago? Interesting results. Let's go to the phones, see what you think. 209-551-3483. Let's go up the road a piece to Manteca, to Wally. Uh, What do you think? What's, uh, What's your reaction to this subject today? Well, um, I, I think I'm a lot worse off than I was a year ago due to these gas prices and the high uh, um, food prices and everything. But I'm wondering why there's not an uprising to get Gavin Newsom to drop these gas taxes so we can have some relief at the pump. And I don't want that $400 that they're talking about sending us or the $100 from the federal government because you pay for that at the end of the year. There's no, no free money. Absolutely, Wally. I'm I'm in agreement with you on that. I think the focus is in the wrong place. And I, I would agree with you that I would rather see the taxes reduced. Leave the money with us on the front end. Don't decide how much of that, what portion of that you're going to return to us on, on, the, uh, on the back end. Plus, Wally, not everyone gets to have that rebate if uh, if there's a family unit making uh, what is it 250,000 or more they they don't get the rebate and so i uh, again it it's um it's a half-hearted uh, shell game uh, in in my opinion so just out of curiosity and what what type of work are you in what what type of industry well actually i'm retired from the postal service oh okay but um all right, so you, you're right dealing, 
Yeah, so so you're dealing. Uh, you're not exactly able to go out and make more widgets uh, in order to compensate for no. the rises in w- the cost of living, and you know we're hit at what seven point nine percent inflation. And you talk, I and I agree with you, Wally. I'm this morning. I went to uh, put some some gas into my car. I plunked down fifty bucks, and it it didn't even fill it. So. Uh, uh, I hear you. Wally, thanks so much for the call. Appreciate that very much. Wally's saying that ah, I'm not doing better than I was. Uh, uh, not doing better than I was a year ago. Let's uh, let's go back to the phones. And uh, this is uh, this is one of my favorite callers here from Modesto. Good afternoon. Ethan, how are you? And what do you think about this? Well, hello, Mike. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Modesto. I think you know me. About the speech of Sleepy Joe yesterday when he mentioned, I am happy he mentioned about the new world order because now we are a new world. Because I posted every day last two months about the, we call it in Arabic, Nidam Alami Jadid, which is instead of liberal world uh, I think for we will be in new world order because we are in mid-election in America and the Republican, they will win the House and Senate because I am a Republican conservative. I'll vote for everybody. They are Republican. They, every day they make new uh, case, which is he fell for everything. He say inflation is the problem because Putin He's Putin, he's his friend, because they are deal with Putin to invade Ukraine. And they think they will done it with, let's say, two weeks, or they promise him. Putin, they promise Sleepy Joe to done with this situation. Within one week, he will be in Kiev. But the president of uh, Ukraine, he's, he's a good guy. He stayed there. He didn't leave the country. And now... Everything it will corrupt, and the next case it will be he deal with China to invade Taiwan, and the third he will release ten billion dollar to Islamic Iranian government, which is the they are the big terrorists in the Middle East in our country. I am from Iraq. We are neighbor. We I was there during the war with Iran at eight years when I graduated with the university, and I was there. But now everything it's it's messed up. They they think. But thanks God, he mentioned about there is one uh, in the world, big organization. I think they will take over. They will run the uh, world in new order. That thanks God, they think in uh, economic. They didn't think in to make. Uh, a nuclear bomb or to make a tank. Why Putin, he didn't show up the T-92? Because in back home, during the war with Iran, we have T-72, which is the highest uh, in that year, which is uh, during the war with Iran. But uh, now he didn't, he didn't show. Now sometimes he is out of loot to move the tank, to move the artillery, to move everything. Now, we are in in a new world that's the benefit of our nation thanks god uh and that's the my 
question. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you so much. By the way, before you go, uh, and, and you mentioned three things that I think are very important in the equation, in the calculus that we're looking at here. Iran, China, and Russia. Three main players. There's interactions happening there that we need to watch very, very carefully. And uh, a lot of dangers involved. Just uh, very quickly, uh, before I let you go, uh, right now, as, as we look at the, the, the dollars, uh, the money going to Iran and the empowerment of Iran, what, what does that say to you in terms of the United States policy towards Iran right now? It's, it's, very, it's very wrong to give any penny to, to, to a regime in Iran because they are terrorists. Because they are involved in anything. Till now, today, we cannot move, we cannot elect. We already, we have a parliament, which is 329 uh, member of the parliament, that we cannot point at the prime minister, because we are a parliamentarian in Iraq. We cannot, because Iran, they are involved. And if they get $10 billion, they will be, involved in too many things in Iraq and the Gulf countries. That's what Saudi Arabia, they don't, the prince, they don't answer the call when uh, Sleepy Joe, he called and he didn't answer the call. I don't know how America, it will be weak right now. It's, it's, it's let's let, let work to get Donald Trump again back in 2024. And that's the two terms, eight years, and that's the America stay on for the there's no way uh, by sleepy Joe, sleepy Biden, they can run the the world, the new world uh, order because he's sleeping. He cannot because maybe next year we will, they will impeach him because they cannot run this country. This is, this is America. This is the power of the world. Ethan, uh, thank you so much. Uh, you're you're a you're a caller uh, once in a while, and every time that you call, you bring some incredible insights because of your background and where you come from. I thank you so much for that because we need to hear from you and factor in many of these observations that you make. My friend, thanks so much for calling. Really appreciate it, and uh, be safe out there. Thanks so thanks. much. All right. Again, he's bringing up uh, three things that we need to keep our eye on. Three countries, Russia, China, and Iran, and how it all fits together. Is that part of the new world order that Joe Biden is talking about? A dangerous proposition if it is. The survey uh, that I've uh, been referring to, talking about are you financially better off uh, today than you were a, a year ago. Uh, overall, again, 36% of the respondents said, yeah, we're about the same. Uh, 42% were worse off today, and 20% said we're better off today. I thought that was interesting in, in terms of uh, overall results. Generally, uh, Democrats, 42%. Yeah, about the same 28% or 26%. Now we're worse off today. And 29% we're better off today. Republican response, 31% said we're about the same. 56% of Republicans said we're worse off today than we were a year ago. And only 11% 
said that uh, they are better off today than they were uh, a year ago. There are some also also some other interesting questions that have come out of this uh, company. Uh, tip insights. There is, uh, and and we remember during the campaign, unity was a big thing, going to bring the country together. So they asked the question, how united is the United States today? How united is our country today? 41% of the respondents said we're very divided. 33% said we're somewhat divided. Uh, Another uh, 16% said, yeah, we're a little bit united. We're somewhat united. 5% said we're very united, and 4% were not sure. Isn't that interesting? And you think about what, what might cause that lack of unity in the United States of America. Does the word media come to your mind? Well, they ask a question about the media as well. How responsible is the media for the country's polarization. Uh, How responsible is the mass media for creating the divisions we have? 46% said the media is very responsible. 46%. 32% said somewhat responsible. That's very interesting. So uh, what, uh, 78%? of the respondents held the media either very or somewhat responsible. 11%, no, media is not very responsible. 6% said they're not at all responsible. 3% were not sure. I don't know where those 3% are, but anyway, it's very interesting that uh, as far as uh, these respondents go, they're holding the media responsible for a lot, of the, a lot of the division in the United States of America. What do you think? How united is the Are we united today as the United States of America? And is the media greatly responsible for the divisions? Area code 209-551-3483. And the Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Local talk is back in the valley with KFIV's Mike Douglas. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Great to have you with us uh, this afternoon. This beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Uh, The temperatures are starting to rise a little bit. And uh, it is definitely, for me, mowing weather because the titanium weeds have taken the recent uh, little precipitation we have and they have gone berserk unfortunately my john deere rider mower quit uh, the the belt that drives the uh, the deck the mower part uh, broke and uh, got a serious oil leak and anyway so we're we'll be doing repairs on that soon uh, i love to get out in weather like this on the john deere it's good therapy for me Good therapy for you. Go out there and I can just talk to God a little bit, looking in at his creation as I ride around. And you get instant gratification. You look behind you and the weeds are cut down. In instant gratification. Something happened. Something I did 
was parlayed into an instantaneous result. There's some gratification with that, and my nurse practitioner wife reminds me it's good to get outside, soak up that vitamin D um, as uh, as well. Well, we've been talking about whether or not we're all financially better off now than we were a year ago. Uh, so far, uh, as far as the callers are going, the answer is uh, not so much. Part of that, of course, are gas prices. And, and again, that's just a part of the pie here, but it's an indicator because so many products are made from gas and oil. And of course, California and the Biden administration are both committed to uh, shutting down uh, oil. So uh, uh, oil production, oil drilling here in the United States. So uh, given all that, it brought brought to mind, and I, I didn't know this. Maybe you do. Are you aware of this, that the DMV has started offering online tests for those who need to take their driver's license knowledge test? Did you know that? Apparently on Friday, DM, and remember, the DMV has not always been the vanguard of top-notch technology. They, they've had a lot of problems with their computer systems over the years. And I don't know about you, but I, I really don't enjoy having to go to the DMV. Do you enjoy that? Not, not one of my enjoyable experiences. I'd rather be out mowing on, on my John Deere rider mower as uh, limping as though it may be at the moment. So apparently, if you need to renew your driver's license with a knowledge test requirement, haven't had to do that for several years, but I did have to do it on uh, my last renewal. And to be honest with you, I'm not going to tell you where I went because I I don't want to create a problem. Uh, But anyway, I, I went out of county. I went outside Stanislaus County to a DMV, a wonderful, and the people were so nice. It, it was uh, quite quite a, a little bit of a hike uh, from here. And the, the DMV people there were pleasant. They were welcoming. There, wasn't, there weren't big crowds there, and I understand that can't be everywhere. But I'm, if, if I have to go to the DMV again, I'm, I'm heading there. I definitely am heading there. And uh, so anyway, uh, I had to take the test, and at that time, it, 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 you had to take it on a computer at the DMV. What troubled me about that was I was watching another older woman, older than I am. You notice how old or older uh, is kind of like on a sliding scale, depending on what your age is at any uh, moment in time. But anyway, a woman that was older than I am apparently had very little computer acuity. And she was, she could not deal with the computer system. And right and, and at that time, this is what, a year or two ago, two years ago, two years ago, I think it, you have to take the test on the computer. Well, there are people that are not computer literate. And so they they had someone uh, help her. And I guess you can request to have a, uh, uh, a manual, a non-computer test. But anyway, so now, and, and I worry about this from several angers, angles, not, not just from the folks that are not computer literate. I understand that. There's probably a, a small fraction of people these days. 
What worries me about this online option for taking the driver's license knowledge test is the lack of driver acuity on the road right now. And so somebody can sit at home and probably have notes in front of them and answer the questions. And so what's the answer? Well, apparently, I've got the, the long version of this here somewhere. But anyway, apparently, uh, if you're going to do that, you have to have a webcam. So while you're taking the test online, apparently, you're going to be monitored. Well, okay, but that doesn't mean that people surreptitiously can't have the... Uh, can't have the answers or a, a, a booklet in front of them. Now, after you take the test, assuming you pass it, you still have to go to the DMV to get your picture taken and, and all of that. And apparently, uh, yeah, I, I'm right. It must be taken on a computer or a laptop with a webcam. You can't take the test on a tablet, uh, tablet, tablet or a mobile device. I, I, what do you think about this? I, I like it in terms of convenience. I don't like it in terms of here we go again, making it way easier to, in my opinion, to fudge on passing the test. And as I look at the way people are driving these days, I'm wondering if they ever took a driver's license, a driver license test here in the state of California. They must have, although a lot of people I understand uh, drive without. Uh, without their licenses, but I, I don't know. I'm a tad worried about that. Are you again, DMV tests online? Um, we'll, we'll see what happens with that again. I'm, I'm a tad concerned about it, but maybe I'm just being old school coming up in six minutes. We're going to be talking to Richard Pombo, former Congressman, get his take on what's going on in Congress today and in California. Here on the Mike Douglas Show, Power Talk 1360, KFIV. The show you love with even more local news and more local reaction. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360, KFIV. And welcome to our number two of the Mike Douglas Show here on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation here on the Mike Douglas Show, 3 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We've uh, we've been talking about the state of the economy. Are we any better off today than we were a year ago? Some of the results of a poll about that. And with us right now is a former congressman, Richard Pombo, also a businessman. He served as a representative for California's 11th congressional district from 1993 to 2006. And we're happy to have him on the program today to get his perspectives, especially as someone who spent quite a bit of time in Congress during the Clinton and, uh, and Bush 43 administrations. Richard Pombo, welcome to the Mike Douglas Show. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Mike. It's great to be on. Great to be back on Power Talk. 
So uh, this whole <laughs> this whole topic of whether we're better off financially than we were a year ago, from your perspective, having been a member of Congress, having been through uh, both a Democrat and a Republican administration, what's your take on the Biden administration approach to our economy these days? What what's <laughs> what's your what's your evaluation of it, and and can we hang on another couple of years till twenty twenty four? Well, I do I do worry about the next few years up until we get to the next election, but it seems like this administration has done everything wrong in, in moving forward. And, and that's, you know, that's a concern because if they had left everything the way they, they got it, the economy would still be strong and still be growing. But, you know, they made some decisions, you know, elections have consequences and they made decisions and those haven't turned out very well. As you look at your experience in, in Congress, and by the way, in, in a minute or two, I don't want to ask you about, uh, we were talking about issues of unity in the United States of America. I want to talk to you in a couple of minutes about your assessment of collegiality then when you were in Congress and what you're seeing now. But but before we get there, in, in terms of talking about uh, what was in place before the Biden administration came in, what's been done over the past uh, year and three months or so, can you talk a little bit about drilling for oil and the obstacles to that, especially from a lot of in, environmental groups? What's what's really holding us back, and if if... Uh, there's a changing of the guard in Congress and possibly the Senate in 2022. Do you think they can have an effect on oil and gas drilling uh, projects in the United States? Yeah, it, it, if if the majorities change in in the House and and possibly in the Senate, it can have an impact on on what changes and and opening up. Uh, the American energy to to expand the way that we need it to right now. Um, you know, last year and a half ago, we were energy independent. We didn't need to import uh, oil and, and gas from other countries. We were exporting more than we were bringing in. And you know, because of that, prices were stable, the market was stable, um, and as a result of changes that were made, particularly on his first day in office, that uh, when when President Biden was sworn in, uh, he made changes to shutting down pipelines and stopping new oil and gas exploration on public lands and water. Um, but that's just part of it, and I know that one of the responses that they come up with is that, well, there are 9,000 permits that are out there that, that haven't been used, and, and I believe that that's an accurate statement, that, that there are a number of them, and it's possibly several thousand that haven't been used, and part of the problem with it is it's not just a matter of getting a permit. You also have to have 
a right of way for a pipeline. You have to be able to get the to per, the permits that are necessary to actually start construction and drill, um, and you have to have the financing to to pay for all of it. And the signs that the administration sent where they wanted to shut down oil and gas exploration in in the United States has made it very difficult for companies to to obtain the financing that they need in order to move forward. Most of these companies that that are doing this work aren't the the big five. They're not the big international oil companies. They're mostly mid-sized and small companies that are U.S. based, and they're the ones that are willing to to take the risk, but they also need the financing to to be able to move forward. Once they've proven that that they can do it and they're successful, then the big companies will come in and buy them out or buy buy the product from them. But there's a lot more involved than than just having uh, a number of permits that are out there that they bid on and and won. I think that's a good point, Richard, as we talk about that. We're speaking with Richard Pombo, for, former congressman in California's uh, 11th Congressional District. By the way, uh, correct me uh, if I'm wrong on this, that 11th District, that's a, a great deal of Contra Costa County. Is that right? Pittsburgh, Concord, Pleasant Creek, that area? Yeah, when when I had it, it originally was just a, a Central Valley district that went from uh, San Joaquin up into Sacramento County, and then they redistricted me, and they put me over in in San Mateo, Alameda, and Contra Costa County, and and that's when I got voted out is when they put me in to the, the Bay Area counties. But, uh, you know, the... The way it sits right now, that district really doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, the, with this new redistricting, they're going to have one district that is predominantly San Joaquin County and then another district that takes the southern part of San Joaquin and goes into Stanislaus and out from there. Do you miss it? Do you miss being in Congress at all? I miss the policy stuff. That's what what I really enjoyed. Um, my time as chairman of the House Resources Committee, I I loved the opportunity to to try to get things done and move legislation. I loved that because I felt like I was actually doing things and getting stuff done. The p- political side of it, I really don't miss. And looking at it. Looking at it today with the environment that exists today in politics, um, it's it's not a lot of fun anymore. And let's talk about that just for a moment, and then we'll get back to looking at uh, the state of the state here in California. Uh, as you're as you're looking back upon your experience, you're looking at what's happening now in Congress. Is, is there a shift in collegiality when you were in Congress? Was it easier to find common ground than it is today? Give, give us a sense of what your experience was. Yeah, well, I, I take a step back even a little bit further than that. And when I first got elected, 
back in 1992, the a lot of the old timers told me what what really ruined the collegiality in Congress was C-SPAN. And mm. when people had the ability to go on the House floor and give a speech to an empty room, but people back home could see it, they said that it it started getting a lot more partisan and a lot more crazy. When I got there, it was partisan, and there were you know, your your fights and everything else, but you always could find somebody who was looking to work across the aisle to actually get something done. And and I had that opportunity. I was blessed with the the opportunity to find people that, that I could work with to to actually get stuff done. And the lead sponsor of most of the legislation that that I had signed into law in the Senate was Diane Feinstein. And, you know, she she would take bills that I introduced in the House and she'd push them through the Senate. And I appreciated that. But, you know, that that doesn't really exist now because what's happened is it's gotten a lot more partisan. And if somebody does try to to work across the aisle, then, you know, they'll get challenged in the primary or somebody will come after them because they're not 100 percent pure and they're willing to to work with people and compromise and try to to actually get something done and the situation that exists today is is makes it almost impossible to do that you know that's a fascinating fascinating observation about c-span i hadn't thought of that but i i get what you're saying because of c-span uh, giving that live view into Congress uh, that that offers the opportunity to start posturing uh, in front of your people. Yeah. Hadn't thought of that. So that's a very interesting. To, you get into the mid to late nineties and that's when we really had the impact of, of the 24 hour news cycle because of the cable news networks. And it, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Fox or CNN or MSNBC it, you know, people are playing to the activists. They're playing to the people that, you know, watch cable news 24 hours a day, and they're trying to make a name for themselves. I mean, you look at Congress today, and and people like Adam Schiff or Swalwell or these guys that go out there and make these outrageous statements and do these crazy things, they're just doing it to play to their base. Richard uh, Pombo, our guest, former congressman for what was then the 11th Congressional District. And again, uh, you have to remember that those lines change with redistricting and apportionment and such over the, over the years. Uh, let's, uh, let's shift our, our look now to California, Richard. And, and of course, uh, that is uh, part of your heritage. Let's talk about business in California, you've, you've got experience there. Talk about some of the difficulties that you see, some of the challenges that we have in maintaining a business in California. Well, I'm, I, I'm a cattle rancher. That's the, the life that I grew up in um, on both my, my mother's family and my father's family. That That's what they did historically. And, you know, my mother's family's been in California for six generations, and 
my my father's family's five generations and they've been in in agriculture the entire time and it i look at what has happened over the last 30 years or so and it's just gotten so hard it's gotten more difficult you know every year to to try to make a living farming or ranching or running a small business in in California because of the regulations they put on you, the taxes that they put on you. It it is such an anti-business state that you you see these these big corporations that have little impact from all of this that are moving out just because they don't want to pay the taxes or put up with the regulation. Small business owners don't have that opportunity. Farmers and ranchers don't have that opportunity to to move out. And but that's what's happening today. And when you have major companies that that pick up and move and go to Texas or Tennessee or someplace where <clears throat> it's a low tax, low regulation state, it it makes you wonder. And I don't. I really don't understand why why people don't see what's happening and and vote accordingly. I, what are you going to do for a job when all these companies move out? You know, I'm watching, you know, we used to be the center of the tech world in California and now you know a lot of these companies are moving to to Austin or they're moving to Florida or Virginia. You know, they're just they're looking for some place where they have a a lower cost of living and a way to 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 get away from all of the regulation and taxes that we're faced with right now. Absolutely. Uh, our guest, Richard Pombo, will continue the conversation with Richard in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show as we continue on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Father, preacher, friend, it's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show, weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Great to have you with us. Our guest right now is Richard Pombo. Uh, Richard, former congressman, and we're talking about his uh, his view of what's going on today in a variety of different subjects from his perspective as, uh, as a former congressman, but also as a businessman in terms of ranching and such here in California. Again, Richard Pombo, our guest. Richard, we were talking about how difficult it is for many, especially small businesses, to uh, survive in the state. If uh, if you were, I don't know that you'd want to be, but if you were governor of California, you were able to step into that office, uh, what, what changes would you make uh, right off the bat, and we've we've got about uh, three minutes here till uh, till the bottom of the hour. What what changes would you like to see made right away in in your mind to set California back on a on a good trajectory? Well, I think the very first thing I would do is go in and and start trying to reduce the regulations and put us on par with with other states, um, so that our businesses could could compete with other states effectively and and the second thing i would do 
is to start lowering our taxes. When when you look at our income taxes uh, in the state of California, our sales taxes, our property taxes, we are, uh, I believe, it's second to the highest, most taxed state um, right now. And so I would uh, propose that we lower all those taxes. And then when you look at stuff like like our our gas tax, which obviously is having a major impact on people, on your average working people, your small business owners, your guy that that punches a time clock, the gas taxes are killing them. There's there's absolutely no reason for California to have the absolute highest gas taxes in the entire nation. When you can buy gas cheaper in a place like Hawaii that has no no local production whatsoever, everything has to be shipped in, and yet they're paying less for gasoline and diesel than we are in the state of California. You've got a serious problem with the way that you've regulated that industry and the way that you've taxed that industry, and it impacts every single working family in this state. So you really have to start with the regulations and the taxes and start turning that around as quickly as you possibly can to return us to the golden state and make us competitive with with other states, let alone the other places in the world. Got about a minute left in this segment, Richard. Uh, what, what's your take on this proposal of a $200 uh, gas tax rebate to uh, – most Californians except uh, Californians except those that make more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. What do you what do you think about this proposal? I just think it's stupid. Uh, it, it lower the gas tax. Let the people that are paying the tax pay less. Why are they going to go in and try to take taxpayer money and send it back out to people? It's all about the way that they control you, and you're supposed to say thank you. It's an election year. You get a check for 200 bucks, and you're supposed to say thank you when you're paying 550 a gallon for gas? That's just plain stupid. And whoever came up with something like that really deserves to be voted out of office. Just very quickly, in a couple of seconds, uh, how has the rise in gas prices affected you as, uh, as a rancher? Well, it's had a huge impact on us because, you know, obviously we have trucks, we have pickups, we... You know, we travel back and forth between property and moving cattle and doing stuff like that. It's had a huge impact on us, and and that's just us and and our little business that we run. I'd hate to be somebody that that commutes 60 or 70 miles a day each way because I know it's killing them. Absolutely. We're visiting with Richard Pombo, and we'll continue the conversation with him in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 
1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation, along with Richard Pombo, uh, was a former congressman for California's 11th District at that point, 1993 to 2006. Interesting, Richard, that you crossed both a, a Democratic and a Republican administration there from Clinton into, into Bush 43. A uh, quick question for you as, as we look at what's happening with Governor Newsom and the emergency declaration, the state of emergency that was uh, put into effect here uh, back in uh, March of 2020. Uh, what, what relationship do Congress folks have with their governors? Do you have any pull with your governor uh, as a member of Congress, or are the lines between the federal and and the state legislatures such that uh, you really don't have a, a, a good relationship or, or influence with the with the governors of the states? It really it really depends a lot on the governor, quite frankly. Uh, with in my time serving in office. We had uh, a fairly good, open uh, relationship with Pete Wilson. Um, that uh, that was always open. Um, I think part of it was because he had served in the Senate and he he knew the that having a relationship with the federal government was was important. Um, I think that now with uh, with Newsom, I don't think that that same relationship exists. Um, you brought up the, the emergency uh, declaration that he put in. I, I think that is an extremely dangerous thing to do. And if, if I were in the, the state legislature, I would do everything I could to reclaim the power that should be with the legislature that they've basically abdicated at this point and they're allowing the governor to do anything that that the governor wants to do and i i think that's a very dangerous i think of my time serving in congress if a president had done something like this i would have fought to the supreme court to to get it overturned you can't have one man in the executive branch or one person in the executive branch that makes decisions unilaterally. That's not the way our, our government works. That's not the way our Constitution set up. It's not the way the Constitution of the state of California is set up. It's extremely dangerous to, to have one person making calls on, on such serious issues that impact business, that impact people, that impact education. I mean, it, there's a huge uh, uh, problem with doing it this way. As uh, as you were in Congress, and I'm assuming that you were all part of the the 9/11 uh, tragedy, and and uh, your re- your response to that as as Congress, let's talk a little bit about the role Congress plays in a national emergency. What what were, were what were you responsible for? What things did you want to see? Happen? What relationship did you have with uh, President Bush at the time to to try to coalesce the country and to respond to that tragedy? Well, the the Congress's uh, responsibility is is legislative, and what we had to do at that point 
was go back in and look at the way our laws were existed, how they were being enforced, and and make any changes that had to be made of things that we just hadn't thought about. Nine eleven was was a different a, a different war. It caused a different war. We had never fought against you know the ultimate price that a person can pay is to to give up their life. And we had never fought an enemy before that part of of their purpose was to give their life because they thought that you know according to to their belief that they would go to heaven and they would get all these rewards from from their god and so everything that we had in place was geared toward well if you do this you're going to end up dying well they didn't care and so we had to look at things completely differently than what we had in in the past the president's responsibility as the commander in chief is is to use our military and protect the people of the United States so those two different roles had to work together in order to respond to what happened on September 11th it, it for us we made mistakes there's things that we passed as part of the patriot act that i would like to go back and undo because there were things that we did that have proven now to um to go after people's privacy to i believe go after their constitutional rights and their civil rights and and those things really need to be changed they we need to go back and and redo the Patriot Act and change some of the things that we did back in in 2001. Um, I can tell you that I went through hours and hours of briefings on what we thought about Iraq and Afghanistan and what was going on, what the intelligence was, why those in, in the intelligence industry felt that they were right with what they were saying. You know, I got a number of briefings from the CIA and and DNI, and, you know, we went through all this, and and at the time we voted on going into war, I thought we were doing the right thing. A lot of that proved not to be true, but, you know, that was the intelligence that they were telling us, and that's my votes and and my decisions were based on, on what, the intelligence was at the time. It just proved in later years not to be accurate. You can only write and make decisions upon the best information that you have uh, right now, and certainly that's understandable. Just very quickly, what what are one or two things that you would change in terms of the Patriot Act? Looking at how some of that power has been abused over the years, what are one or two changes that you would have liked to have seen? Well, it, for one thing, with the, the FISA courts, I, I had a problem with it when we did it. And after they made changes to it, they assured me that, that they would ne- it would never be used against Americans. And that's, that's not true. It, it has been used against Americans. And I think what we went through with President Trump and and 
the FISA courts and everything, it, it, it's plain to anybody that they use that against American citizens. And that's one thing that absolutely would have to change. The other thing is, deals a lot with surveillance within the United States, surveillance of American citizens within the United States. And, and we need to get back to protecting people's privacy. There's no reason that the federal government should be able to see what you're looking up on the Internet or, or monitor your phone calls or your emails uh, without a, a judge ordering it uh, to go forward. And, and they have the ability now that they can do that, and it was a mistake. It was wrong, and, we, and that's something that needs to be changed. We're visiting with Richard Pombo, of course, former congressman, uh, a rancher, and uh, we appreciate you. You've given us some very, very interesting insights into uh, not not only your history, but we can apply some of those insights to today. Uh, before we let you go, just, just very quickly, looking at uh, the situation right now uh, with Russia and Ukraine, uh, from a congressperson's point of view, what do you think needs to be done at this point? Are we doing what we should do? Should we do more or less? What, what's your view, having been in Washington, D.C.? Well, I, I think at this point we're doing what we can do. Um, unfortunately, some of these deci- decisions should have been made sooner, uh, earlier, uh, we knew that there was a problem uh, months before he actually Putin actually invaded. Um, so some of this we should have done sooner. I feel for the Ukrainian people. My my nephew's wife immigrated from Ukraine. She's Ukrainian. She has family there. Um, it's a horrible situation, and I wish that we could do more. But at the same time, I don't want to create. Uh, another Iraq and Afghanistan where we're sending our our young men and women over and and losing thousands of them in a foreign war. So I've got I've got a real issue with that. But I need that we need to I know that we need to stand behind the Ukrainian people at this point and send them whatever munitions or armaments that they need in order to fight to save their country. Our guest, Richard Pombo, former member of Congress. Richard, before we let you go, here's uh, here's a, a question, a burning question, based upon a lot of the frustrations I hear from our callers here on the show. From the inside, what's the best way to get heard by your congressperson? What's the best way to be heard by them and to influence their opinion? Uh, it, right now, the best way to do it is is through contacting them through email, showing up at, at their town halls. Um, most members in, in our area still do town halls, um, showing up at those events. And if you can ever get them on, on a radio station like yours, uh, calling in and talking to them and, and asking your questions. Um, with the whole COVID thing over the last couple of years, uh, it's isolated a number of members of Congress. I can tell you that it's driven 
some of my old friends crazy to not be able to meet with constituents and and to be isolated away from them. But now that some of the restrictions are being lifted, um, they're a lot better about getting out and being able to talk to people. But you just need to, to get in front of them and talk to them. And, you know, email is an effective way of doing it, but there's nothing as, as good as being able to look them in the eyes at, at a town hall meeting or some other appearance that they have locally in, in the district. Richard Pombo, thank you so much for spending so much time with us today. Really appreciate your insights and and the length of time you were able to spend with us. Again, uh, our guest, Richard Pombo. Richard, thanks again, and uh, look forward to having you on again sometime. I'd love it. I enjoyed doing it, so I'd love doing it again. Thank you. All right, very good. Again, Richard Pombo, our guest, our thanks to him for taking so much time with us. I found that very valuable. I found it very valuable to get a former congressional uh, opinion and viewpoint on what's happening today. And, and uh, some of his insights, uh, I think, were uh, a bit revelatory as well. So uh, we're, we're going to react to uh, a little bit of what we heard from Richard Pombo in three minutes as the Mike Douglas Show continues right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Local talk is back in the valley with KFIV's Mike Douglas. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thank you so much for joining us this Tuesday afternoon. Beautiful afternoon here in California's Central Valley. Really appreciated that visit we just had with Richard Pombo. Again, he served in Congress uh, for the then 11th Congressional District from 1993 to 2006. And I think what's interesting is he he spanned both the uh, Bill Clinton and uh, George Bush 43 administrations. And so I uh, had some interesting perspectives there about uh, dealing with different folks. I appreciated the, the observations that he made about at that time, uh, collegiality a bit better than it is today. And I thought what was very interesting was his observations that uh, observation that one of the things that really undermined that commitment to compromise, to um, collegiality, to collaboration, to working together, uh, the, one of the major things that altered that and really changed that direction was C-SPAN. And that, of course, the ability at that point for the public uh via cable to see what was going on in the hallowed halls in Washington, D.C. And, uh, of course, that that lent to uh, representatives uh, both in the Senate and the House as well being able to posture uh, themselves before their constituents any time that you give a, a politician 
uh, a wide berth as as far as uh, his or her exposure to the public all at the same time. Uh, you're 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 really asking for that degradation, I think, of that willing to cooperate, willing willingness to cooperate with each other. Uh, they don't want to be seen as partnering with the enemy, so to speak, and that partisanship, unfortunately, has grown stronger and uh, and stronger. And I think uh, the uh, Republican and and uh, Democratic factions have grown apart uh, because of that. Uh, people don't want to disappoint their constituents. They don't want to disappoint those who fund them, those who reelect them. And so, I, again, and I, w- I would assume that today, given social media, it even accentuates uh, the reason to posture oneself and, and make sure that you're sending a message that doesn't uh, transmit or telegraph that you may have a weakness in terms of working with the other side. Sad to hear that. Very interesting, uh, very interesting uh, observation. Also, I appreciated his comments about his take on the fact that he would have changed things in the Patriot Act. And, and certainly, as he mentioned, those things that are now being used and abused uh, against other politicians and against the American public itself. We have seen the abuse of power rampant and really out of control in Washington, D.C., and and we covered uh, here in California uh, Governor Newsom's state of emergency, that emergency declaration, and how that has also uh, been used and abused, in in his opinion, and how that needs to be ended so that uh, we can get on with the business of the state. And then speaking of business, I thought he also made a good point about the fact that it is very difficult for small business to survive in this state, even for those of us in the nonprofit industry. And uh, I'll just speak for myself. You know, people think, well, we'll... When, when we donate, uh, we don't have to worry about administration or we don't have to worry about having insurance. And, all, and yes, we do. Uh, the, the regulations that affect a lot of other businesses also affect the nonprofit industry. And it becomes very difficult sometimes to do what you need to do. You got to have liability insurance. You have to worry about those things. You have to be on top of what the current labor laws are. Now, we're very small, so we're exempt from a, um, a lot of regulations that come down. But Richard Pombo was expressing his dismay at how overregulated California is and how some of the, the huge companies, uh, the national companies, the multinational companies, can probably absorb that. They can absorb some of those hits, and yet we still see some of them moving out of state. And and so it, it becomes a, a case of November 2022 being so important to us. And I don't tell you how to vote, but I am encouraging you through this show as we discuss things, take a look at the landscape. Notice what's going on. Situational awareness. Notice what's going on and then apply that to how you're going to vote in November 2022. We'll talk more about that as well as other subjects tomorrow at 3. Can't wait to get back to you here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.